Okay, right on. All right. Three, two, one. Hoopheads, welcome back to Hoops Journey and episode number 39. Uh, today we take the ferry over, grab a little white spot double-double, and uh, head over to Victoria to sit down with one of the most decorated um, UVic Vikes of all time, a uh, former national team member, a gentleman who has a, a good story about adversity and, and fighting through tough times. And um, if some of you people out there had the opportunity to compete against him, know just what it was like to try and uh, to get by him offensively or uh, to stop him. So we are super thrilled. Um, someone who's come well recommended from our island listeners, um, uh, Mr. Phil Ohl. How are you, sir? I'm uh, I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for uh, for inviting me. I, I feel uh, pretty honored to be uh, one of your uh, one of your many guests among uh, some illustrious uh, predecessors on this show. <laughs> Lots of spirit, yeah. Well, you know, it's yeah. uh, there's a rich tradition on the island, and you know, it, although the the most of our guests are from the BC area, you know, we have been trying to expand out and connect with other people but i think uh going back and chatting about uvic and the historic years that existed there are important and i think you have a great story so um it's been a pleasure to chat with you offline for the last couple of days and get you on and um i was reading your bio a bit uh so you coached at Camosun, correct i did i did yeah. holy cow yeah yeah okay yeah yeah well, yes. yeah we do a little bit of fact checking i so yeah, i think I did some fact checking yeah, so the 95-96 year, I was at CAP playing for uh, for Phil Langley. Would, would, I think would, you were still there, right? Um, I believe I was. Um, yeah. I think I, I yeah, it could have been. I was, in the, I was at Commotion for a couple of years, and then yeah. I took a couple of years off, and I came back, and that might have been the year. But I came back half, halfway through the season. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. So. Awesome. Good. Anyways, we we weren't we weren't at that time we weren't officially in the in the college league. We were playing uh, strictly exhibition games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now the idea of this show is to not make us sound older than we already are. Hey, so keep that in uh, mind. Oh no, kidding. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's trying. You're anyways, asking me to go back in they, forty years here. So. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> well, we always. We always like to check in and um, know that you're a family man and, you know, you have a little kind of uh, side business and stuff. And just how have yeah. you and your family been, been able to cope with COVID? And I know you told me a little story about your son and, you know, him quarantining and stuff. So how have you guys been doing? And, and uh, you know, obviously a place like the island is a pretty safe place to be during something that, like this. Um, but overall, how, how have you guys been yeah, we've yeah we're fortunate to be on the island. The numbers uh, have been pretty low. I mean, they're they're uh, increasing a little bit lately. But um, yeah, if it if if there's a place in BC to be, uh, the island would be would be that during COVID. Uh, how we've been coping? Um, yeah, we've been coping pretty well, uh, with the exception, and not to get into too much of a sob story, uh, mm. but COVID. Uh, when COVID hit, just as COVID hit here and things started shutting down, I was uh, scheduled to get a, um, a treatment. Um, so I'm, I'm living with MS. 
And uh, just as COVID hit, I was about to get a treatment that I get uh, administered every three months. So the treatment was delayed by two months. And uh, I haven't really, um, well, the, the, the delay has, has really um, put, a, put a, uh, an interesting twist in, in, in the treatment of some of my symptoms to the point mm. where we haven't been able to get back, uh, in front of them and they seem to be getting increasingly worse. So from, from that perspective, COVID's kind of kicked, kicked my ass a bit. And um, I'm in the process now of trying to find an alternative, um, alternative medicine to, to deal with the, the, the physical challenges that uh, I'm currently experiencing. So that, that would probably be the, the toughest thing that, uh, with COVID. And also, you know, our son lives locally, but not, uh, not to be able to, you know, to, uh, I mean, we hosted him, but we hosted him outside most times. And it's uh, tough not to be able to give him a hug, you know. So he just recently uh, committed to quarantining himself for a good period of time. And now he's come home for Christmas. So we're thrilled to be able to you know, just hang out like we used to and uh, um, feel like normal. That's great. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know I've known your story for a while and know what your battles were. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a sob story. It's part of who you are. And, um, yeah. you know, I think just, you can tell just by how you're commenting on it and your approach to it is probably how you approach things on the court. We you know the things that we're able to learn through uh, being part of a team, you know, we can continue whether mm -hmm. it's trying to like, you know, figure out what we want to do for our career or, fight through some some things with ms and and continue to to battle with it right so we wish yeah. you nothing but the best and and send our thoughts and prayers to you guys and hope that you get some sort of uh you know solution quicker and sooner than later but nice that you're going to be able to uh shut it down with the family and uh sit around the fire or whatever and have a beer and just yeah. uh enjoy some family time you bet you bet and you know throughout the broadcast dude there may be there may be other opportunities for me to draw on or talk about uh my journey with with the disease and and uh how i've uh, managed to cope with it but well let's uh let's stick to the hoops and uh um and it's something like that if i can weave that in at some point if you have to do that yeah so tell us about it uh what, what was uh what was life like for you as a young guy growing up um what sports were you involved in and how you know, before you kind of made it to starting to compete in high school, how did basketball sort of start to separate itself um, from other sports for you? Yeah, so my uh, my father was in the military, and uh, when I was seven years old, we moved to to Germany. And um, before that, I, I I don't think I ever watched a basketball game on TV, and there certainly wasn't access to to any basketball. Uh, viewing or necessarily playing over in Germany. So I lived uh, between the ages of 7 and 12. And I can remember once, and this is my first, first uh, experience with the basketball, I was somehow found alone in, a, in, the, in the base gym. I guess my dad was, was up to something. He said, hey, son, just go in the gym, see if you can keep yourself busy for the next hour. And there <laughs> happened to be a basketball lying around. So I picked it up and I went over to the hoop and, you know, I was 10 years old probably at the time. And I, 
looked at the hoop and I thought, I guess that square up there probably has a, is a, there's something significant about that. And I bet if I hit the ball in that square, uh, I would probably increase the chances of me putting it in. So anyways, you know, <laughs> for the hour I was there, I was shooting, shooting, you know, sh- shots or layups and concentrating on, on hitting it in that square. And, um, yeah, that was my first introduction to basketball. And then at, at uh, 12 years old, we moved to, uh, to Courtney, uh, where I attended Courtney Junior. So Courtney Junior was an 8 to 10 school, and then the feeder school was the, one of the feeder schools to, to Vanier. Um, the great, at that time, it was an 11 and 12 school. So, um, again, not, not really having uh, had any exposure to basketball or even thinking about it. When I first arrived at the school at lunchtime, I didn't really know what to do myself and I didn't have any friends. So I was wandering around the school and I came across the gym and it was open gym and there's a bunch of people shooting around. So I went in the gym and, you know, somehow managed to, you know, make some connections and, you know, I played some hoops at, at, uh, at lunchtime in the gym. And uh, shortly thereafter, probably in the late fall, there was a tryout for the Great Nine team, um, and I decided to, you know, this seems like a fun sport, and I made a couple of friends that were also trying out. So I tried out, and thankfully, only twelve guys tried out, <laughs> and uh, so I made the team. But I was definitely on the far end of the bench, <laughs> and uh, the first game, uh, the first game, I get on the floor, and it's you know probably the last two or three minutes of the game, we were up up 20 or down 20 or whatever. And uh, every time we went down on offense, uh, the whistle kept blowing for no apparent reason. I'm going, what the hell? Right. So after the second or third (laughs) time this occurred, the uh, coach called me over and said, Hey, Phil, well, what you can't stand in the key more than three seconds. (laughs) Oh, well, it'd be nice if someone had shared that with me anyway. So that, you know, th- that's how little I knew of the game and how inexperienced I was. Um, anyways, you know, the season went on and we played what we played and probably played at, in the gym throughout, this, throughout, the, throughout the school year and at lunchtime and after school when I could. And that was that. So it was just a short season and then it went on to do whatever, what else I did. I played some soccer. I loved playing tennis in the summer. But wasn't really uh, too too focused on on basketball at that point. Um, yeah. So then it's uh, now comes grade ten. Now it's a tryout again. I want to try out because my buds are trying out. And um, again, I try out, but this time, uh, you know, there's fourteen or fifteen guys trying out. And, and lo and behold, uh, I ended up. Uh, getting the uh, manager position offered to me at the end of trials. And uh, I'm thinking manager position. That's not really what I, what I had in mind. So I, so I, so I, so I ended up going home to my dad, not, not necessarily crying about it, but just sort of explain, you know, told him the story that this, this had happened. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed in whether or not I should go for being the manager and, he uh, he didn't react too much, except unbeknownst to me, he decided to write a letter to the principal, wondering why his son was cut from a team when uh, I guess he'd heard through the grapevine that a great nine player had had made the team over me. So, 
Uh, anyways, I was reinstated. I, it's unfortunate for that poor grade nine kid, but I mean, I guess he had a chance to play in grade 10 anyways. So I got reinstated and uh, on, onto the team. But again, I was uh, the 12th man and uh, didn't really see much playing time because we, we, although we did have a fairly good squad that year. So there were a number of games where we were up enough that uh, I was, I was thrown into the game, you know, as you know, the garbage time at the last, last three or four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, those are my humble beginnings. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's good. It's not, you know, every person and the thing that we really enjoy is like the different variations of their basketball journey and yours didn't sure. start out smooth in terms of, you know, a lot of, you know, probably there are probably moments where you wondered, you know, if it wasn't for that friend connection, would you even continued with basketball, right? If your buddies chose to probably do something else, not. maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe just yeah. dropped hoops altogether, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I would have dropped hoops altogether. Yeah. So it just so happened. Yeah. A couple of buddies. Now, what I what I failed to to mention is when I when I wasn't when I lived in Germany between the ages of seven and twelve I lived in this uh, they called PMQs which is um, private military quarters and uh, and uh, there were just I mean I think there were twelve or fifteen twelve to sixteen different apartment buildings in this really really small area so there were kids outside all the time so. I played and played and played. I mean, I have, you know, soccer and baseball and road hockey. Uh, the only, the only um, uh, organized sport that I played until, until that grade nine uh, basketball team was uh, Little League Baseball. But I, I you know, and, and, you know, all the playing that we did between, at that younger age, was, there were no adults there. We just organized <laughs> ourselves and just had a blast. And we play, I mean, it seemed like we'd play all day. You know, take mm -hmm. a break, come mm -hmm. in for lunch, and go back back outside. So I think that that had a huge impact on on my athletic uh, athleticism and sort of my hand eye coordination, all the things that you know as a young young person you develop by playing so much. Mm -hmm. So um, I could go off on a bit of a tangent here with regards to how over organized I think kids are today, but uh, that's we can hold that for another show. <laughs> No, give give um, us a few thoughts. I I, I think you know we're we, you know uh, you're you're slightly older than I am, but you know when you yes, think when, the, when yes. you describe when, when you describe your upbringing, it, it you know I'm a '77 baby, right? So it brings yeah. up a lot of memories for me, right? Of just sort of mm -hmm. independent play, figuring out how to play cherry or yes. 500 up or what, right? Like whatever Precisely, it was, and, yeah, kick kick the can, you know, all of those yeah. kind of things that we did. I didn't see. Yeah, and I, 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 I just, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, a fairly busy neighborhood here with a bunch of kids, but you don't, you don't ever see them outside playing, mm. and it's all scheduled sports that, uh, you know, you run Johnny from the soccer, uh, soccer pitch to the piano lesson to this, that, and the other, and I, I, I often find that kids are overscheduled and don't have or are not provided the the opportunity for free play and that creative side of things. I mean, if you look, I don't know, you're, you're in a high school, but if I literally live close to an elementary school here, and if, if you pass by at, at break time, those kids aren't organized, but they organize themselves and they look like they're having a blast. Yeah. You know, so I just wish they would, I mean, there's so many other distractions that you and I didn't have growing up that 
you know, we could we didn't have we didn't have video games. We didn't have all these other things that could could occupy our time. So we got outside and played as much as possible. So I, th- I I don't know what the solution to that is, but I think it's also a bit that parents believe that you know are spending a little a little bit too much time coddling their kids and not you know not allowing them to go out because they may feel that it's not safe out there. All those kind of things. Yeah, I think I agree. It's a combination of a, of a whole bunch of things. Also, you know, I think too, uh, maybe there's something in the back of their minds when they they're because they're running them around to so many different things, which they're putting their own finances into, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I would, you know, I did a week of soccer camp and I do some hoops camps, mm-hmm. but spent a lot of my time just at the playground trying to sort it out, right, and figuring out the yeah. pecking order and figiguring out who the dominant For was, sure. and, you know, and. And, uh, yeah. and one thing we've noticed, we do have grade eights here. So we're eight to 12 for high school. And, yeah. uh, the other, the girl that I, the, that I teach with, we always just let the, I think they think we're just being lazy and not letting them, but we've noticed that their energy is so pent up this year with COVID that yeah. we give them, sure. we give them 10 minutes and we don't even go into the gym. We sit and we can see them, but they just run around, they play sure. tag, they start a game on their own. Cause they just, they don't have that. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you know, I think, right. yeah, it's an important thing to t- talk about. Yeah, for sure. I think that's absolutely. I think that's brilliant that you're giving them an opportunity just to be right, just to be, not to be, not to necessarily do, but just be and and enjoy whatever they're doing. And like you say, self organized, develop their pecking orders, and I mean that's that's life. That's that's sort of a metaphor or an opportunity or what happens later on in life. Anyhow, yeah. So yes, so. Uh, where am I? Grade ten. Grade shall, shall I yeah, go grade, on? Yeah, grade yeah, eleven. Like, yeah. So, so, the, so the eleven and twelve years are are, are also quite interesting. I mean, f- actually, eleven, twelve, and then first year university. Um, so in grade eleven, now, now I mentioned earlier that you know Vandy at that time was uh, primarily eleven, twelve. I think they had a small grade ten cohort, but it was primarily eleven and twelve. So there were two or three feeder schools for the grade 11 so it was courtney courtney jr lake trail and i think there was another one so Mm. i'm thinking i'm thinking to myself okay there's the best players from these three feeder schools coming in i don't and i'm a 12th man of this courtney jr team i don't even have a hope in hell of making that team so i don't even try out i don't try out and but i don't know what compelled me to do this but i kept going to practice and watching it sitting on the sidelines watching it, you know, I'm thinking, God, I wish I could get out there, but I, I don't know. I just didn't have the courage to, uh, and the wherewithal to put, push myself and go out there. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is interesting. You know, I don't know what the psychology behind that was, but I think it was just lack, absolute lack of confidence uh, and, uh, self-esteem for myself. Anyways. So, uh, as luck would have it, um uh they they only ended up with 10 guys and um one of the guys ended up quitting after you know f- two or three weeks into the season so one of the my so one of my buddies that from my Courtney junior day say hey phil you keep watching practice all day and we need a 10th player would you mind would you be interested i could talk to the coach and see if he'd be he'd give you if he'd give you a look and I'm like, holy smokes. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, sure, why not, you know? So 
so I remember him talking to me about this uh, at noon, and the practice was going to be at night. And I, 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 the the prospect of me actually having to go to this practice made me so nervous that I ended up going home at lunchtime, and I had I had the trots all afternoon. Like I was <laughs> so so out, out, out of out of sorts, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, I roll into practice that night at, uh, whatever, 7 p.m., and, uh, you know, they were happy just to have a warm body, um, <laughs> and I stuck, stuck, stuck to the team. I had some basic skills and, and uh, managed to stick with the team and was thrilled just to be part of it. You know, like, holy crap, man, I'm part of the senior team. I'm a, I'm a Tawee, for crying out loud, you know? <laughs> um, so again, that season was uh, was uh, similar to what I experienced in grade nine and ten, which was sitting at the end of the bench, uh, happy to be part of it, and you know all the while practicing and getting better and learning and learning by watching. I mean, I'm a I'm a pretty good visual learner, so mm-hmm. um, and I so a lot of it would soak in uh, for me. So, and I was, you know, very focused and concentrated while I was watching anyway. So, and, and then, and then I get my chances here and there. Um, uh, but that, that, that season we, we had a, a decent team, but we didn't go very far in the playoffs. Um, but, but the following season, you know, we had, we had a number of great 11s and, um, we were set up to be a fairly, uh, uh, six powerful force on the Island. Uh, as uh, you know, folks that understood the game would would have predicted at that time. So anyhow, so I'm I'm the end of my grade eleven year, and I'm five foot ten. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I I you know what? This sounds a little foo foo, but I almost think I will this. I I mean, no one would believe this, and I, I, I I'm saying this in jest a little bit, but I almost <laughs> willed myself to grow five you know, to put on six inches. <laughs> so I was 5'10 at the end of my grade 11 year, and I came back and I was six foot five or six foot four. Holy smokes. And Yeah, and the coach kind of looked at me and go, what the hell happened to you? I mean, six foot four and buck 50 or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> wasn't a lot of meat on my bones at that time through that <laughs> massive growth spurt. I mean, my, I had nosebleeds all the time, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. picked up mono early on in the, my grade 12 year. Um, anyways, so, um, so now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lot taller. Uh, I still have, you know, I've developed a little bit more athletic athleticism, um, had an opportunity to develop my skills a little bit. Um, and at the end of my grade 11 year, the coach sat sat the players down and told them, you know, what they thought we should work on. And he probably could have had a long list of things for me to work on, but he just said to me, I think you really need to work on your left hand. So uh, I worked on my left hand that summer, and my left hand was better than my right hand by the time the summer was over. So at least I had that going for me. <laughs> I didn't have much else, but I had a good left hand. So, and I, I'd grown to six, you know, to six, four, six, five, maybe. Um, so now I'm becoming, uh, you know, my size and everything else. Now I'm becoming a little bit more interesting to, to the coach and to, you know, as a potential contributor to the team. Uh, but the team, we had a really strong team that year. Um, and I still, I, I never was a starter, but I was like a seven or eight, seven or eighth man. 
and you know could could impact the game a little bit when I came on. So as the season progressed, I got a little bit more playing time, and then we were we were good enough that we end up making ma uh, making the island finals against uh, Nanaimo and uh, lost in the finals, but then qualified for the BCs. Uh, played in the Pacific Coliseum at the time. Didn't have a very good showing, um, but I but I probably was one of the better players at the at the tournament. Surprisingly, to everyone's mm -hmm. surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> even what my was own like surprise. Coliseum. Sorry to cut you off. What was it like playing at the Coliseum? I had the chance to play at the Agrodome, and it, I, I'm assuming oh. it was kind of similar, but just also, you know, being from the island and even up island, a smaller community, and then getting on that boat, and then you're, like, taking warm-ups in the Coliseum must have been, like, holy oh, smokes. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a, a, a shock in a lot of ways and incredibly intimidating, right, when you're playing in the Coliseum, like you say, coming from this small, small town, small town experience, and all of a sudden, you know, we didn't have great crowds, but nonetheless, we're, we're in this, you know, where the, I mean, this is where the Vancouver Canucks were playing at the time, you know? So, you know, we had mm -hmm. to get over that, uh, get, get over that shock. And I think, you know, we weren't, we didn't really play that well in the first game because of, because of the, uh, you know, it, it being such a, such a novel thing for us and maybe a bit of a distractor. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pretty special. It was a pretty special experience. For sure, yeah. and I, I'm not sure exactly where we where we ended up, but I think it was something something like ninth, ninth, ninth uh, that year. Yeah, we played Prince Rupert, who eventually went on to win it. Uh, we played that. We played them on our first or second game. So, um, anyways, I think we showed fairly well, but um, but you know, for us, making the BCs was the big was always the big goal. We never talked about much much else. And then once we got there, it was like, okay, let's see if we can make the best of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, following that, well, so I had a, I would say, a, you know, an average, an average to slightly above, above average high school career, but I didn't get any, but I didn't get any, uh, any attention from anybody. Um, so uh, I was brought up to, to, um, you know, the, the expectation from my parents was that university was an, ab an absolute, absolute uh, expectation. And uh, it wasn't, I didn't I even have much choice around it. Uh, not that I was uh, against it, but I can tell you that I wasn't that much of a scholar in school. Although uh, I did, uh, I did end up skipping in grade when I was like in grade two or three. I'm um, not really sure how that all happened, but I was accelerated at the early ages. And I ended up uh, graduating mm -hmm. high school when I was 16. So at 16, I'm off to UVic. I ended up, I ended up uh, having enough, uh, good enough grades to get into UVic. And thankfully, the admissions at that time were, I think you, you needed a C-plus average to get in. So that was uh, mm -hmm. just, just about squeaked in there. And uh, it was like, okay, you're you're going you're going to university. I'm thinking, I don't even know what I want to study, but I like PE. I'm a good athlete, and my mother is French Canadian, so I grew up speaking French. And um, I actually attended French school until I was in, until I moved to Courtney. So it's like, okay, well, you need. And then were you were you also fluent in German too? Uh, no, German. Did I learn, did you learn? No, German? my dad. No. My dad was German. 
and uh, he yeah. he immigrated when uh, in nineteen uh, in the early fifties and met my mom. Uh, but we didn't speak German at home. Uh, we speak English and French. Okay. Um, yeah. We he, he, we ended up uh, living in Germany that for that period that I mentioned because he was German and uh, an asset because he was a uh, he was in the mil uh, in the uh, um, in the police and he was a detective. Uh, so I guess that, oh, okay. that that helped in Germany to have have the language. Nonetheless, so. Um, so yeah. yeah, so it was an expectation. I'd go to university. Okay, you want me to go to university? I'll go to university. What do you want me? To, what do I want to study? I hadn't really at sixteen. I don't, you don't really have a clear idea, or at least I didn't, in terms of what I wanted to study. So I thought the natural place to go would be, well, uh, okay, I'll become a teacher and I'll and I'll I'll take PE as my major and uh, French as my minor. So I literally went to university focused on going to school and not playing basketball because I wasn't interesting. That's what I was yeah, going to ask. I wasn't recruited by anybody and, um, I didn't have any, any, uh, again, this is like my same attitude. I had in grade 11. Uh, I didn't have any, any inkling that, you know, you, you Vic had just won a championship and I'm entering, I know I'm so 1980s when I, when I uh, when I registered at UVic, and I think they just won their first championship. So you know, as a as a young guy, you don't really think you have a you have a chance to crack that lineup much. But uh, again, a bunch of my buddies also attended UVic, and we decided to try out for the JV team, and um, ended up playing playing JVs that year. And by that time, I'm about six now, I'm about six six seven, putting on a little weight. Um, uh, still, still have the, you know, continue to possess the, um, all the athletic and, and skills that I, that I acquired playing in this, in the, uh, playing with all my friends growing up. So that, that served me well. And, uh, I would say that, you know, and, and this is one of my strengths as an athlete is that it, that wasn't a term back then, but I've, I've heard it said, uh, this guy has a good engine. So I, I had a good engine yeah. and my engine was always <laughs> revved pretty high. Um, so as, as, as a JV, as a JV, um, you know, we, had, we were, we weren't in, in a, uh, in the league either, but we got to play against various college, college teams. And, uh, I fared pretty well, but it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily an outstanding JV either, but I competed hard and started to learn a little bit at that point. Um, what it, what playing at that level uh, entailed and the, the competitive spirit that's required. Um. Well, that doesn't sound very good. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner, Shane Meyer, has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts and beard trims located in lower lonsdale at 221 west esplanade in north vancouver seconds from the sea bus if you are unable to make it to the store you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com and oh yeah in store if you mention a hoops journey you'll receive 15 percent off anything store-wide
we want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, my question was around, uh, I got these yeah. AirPods in and uh, they may run out of juice too. So then we'll be, we'll be having another issue, but, and I don't, I can't, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. anyhow, so uh, one, two, three, two, one, back to my, uh, my JV day. So what I was saying is um, we, I think I, I mentioned that we, we did. We played against other college teams, but we weren't actually in a league. But uh, also had an opportunity at that point to uh, be exposed to a higher level skill set, uh, competitiveness, and uh, just started getting a feel for what it takes to to play at a high at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we had. I mean, it, it, that that year was just a blast because we didn't. We weren't really playing for anything. We were just playing for the love of the game. Um, played hard, partied hard, and um, uh, and and um, yeah, just uh, really had an opportunity to start developing and understanding the game a lot better. The coach of that team at the time was a former was a former Vike, uh, Chris Hebb. Uh, I don't know if that name uh, is familiar to you, but uh, he went on to. Uh, work for the Toronto Raptors and in their organization. So he's he would he's got a great great sports store and he played for the first um, the first uh, UVic uh, championship team. Okay. And so Chris had a had a, a positive influence on me um, in that year, and uh, he was using a lot of the of the UVic. Um, uh, mentality and sets and, and so on. So that, that helped mm-hmm. me as we, as I moved on to the, to that next level. So, yeah. so then how does, so yeah. Well, you might just be better ready to answer, but I'm just curious to go from like the JV to that varsity jump. Um, I'm sure you're just about to talk about it, but I'm also just curious, did you get to work with the varsity team at all or did they keep it really separate? Cause you're competing if, you know, I mean, I'm sure during the off season you had the chance, but like that's a national championship level team and like mid dynasty, right. That you're so yeah. like, you know, it, yeah. it, a, it's not, it, a, it's not a knock that you were on the JV team. Cause that those teams that that you had a chance to be on were absolutely loaded front to back. But B, I'm just curious, yeah. when did you ever get to measure yourself and see where, where if you were progressing with the guys kind of at that level? You know, we were, we were quite separate. We never really uh, had a chance to um, play against those guys during our season. Mm-hmm. I mean, postseason when we scrimmaged, uh, when they scrimmaged, I guess we had an opportunity to, uh, 
to step on the court, you know, in the, in the spring and summer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but in my case, I wasn't, I wasn't around. I ended up going back home to Courtney. So I didn't really get much okay. of a chance to, to, uh, test my wares at that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my ascension onto the, to the varsity team and my second year is, is quite a story, uh, as well. It, um, and again, it's, it's, um, it just, it just boggles my mind that, that I, that I ended up actually making the team, but which, <laughs> which you will understand once I tell you my tale here is, so, you know, the, the school year is over. I ended up going back to, 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 uh, to, oh no, let, let me back up a, uh, a second. So there's one, one, one little, one little incident that may have increased my profile, uh, and got Ken Shields attention. Um, I don't recall him coming to watch many of our JV, JV games, but perhaps he did, or was hearing from Chris Hebb about some of the players, but there was a, an intramural league, um, and, you know, continues to be an intramural league and our season ended fairly early in the, in the second semester. So I joined an intramural team. And I thought, you know, my, my confidence was elevated by then, you know, now I was a JV player, you know, woo. Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm playing in this uh, lowly uh, intramural league. So I, I thought I was, I, w I was, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty big stuff. So we ended up playing against this team and on the other team, lo and behold, is a guy by the name of Billy Turney Loose and Billy had, had an illustrious career at UVic. He never didn't play on a championship team. I think he finished before that, but he was a tough, tough-minded player that could, you know, that was solid on both ends of the floor. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know he was. He looked like a pretty young guy. I ended up guarding him in this intramural, intramural uh, game, and uh, his his wife was refing the game, which I didn't know either. So anyways, I'm guarding Billy and Billy's, Billy's, Billy's tough. I'm like, God, this is an intramural game. And I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be the, the big, the big, you know, big deal in this game. And this guy's, this guy's making me look bad. So anyways, I'm, I'm playing this guy tough, right? And he's, he's not backing down and he's obviously an incredibly accomplished player. And, uh, so, and he's, and he's using tricks on me that I, you know, that I, or things on me that I'd never seen before. And I thought that was pretty good, but you know, screw you, buddy. Anyways, <laughs> to the point where I got, we, we were going at it so bad that we squared off and, uh, you know, Love so it. Billy got pretty agitated with me and then me with him. Uh, and you know, it's the classic guys are squaring off, but every, everyone gets in between. There was no punch punches thrown or anything. And uh, after the game, they, somebody says to me, you know who that was? I said, no, who, who was that? Well, that was Billy turning loose. Oh, I said, holy smokes. Like, the, <laughs> if any, there goes any chance of me uh, playing on this team, if, you know, if I even thought about that was possible. Anyways, Billy goes to Ken and tells him about this, this experience that he had at uh, – and, and, and Ken and Shieldy tells me this later. And Bill, so Billy goes to Ken and talks about this, this, this snotty-nosed young guy who thought he was king and uh, was uh, ready to go at, go at it with, with me. So Ken, and, uh, Ken decides to do a little research to find out who, he, who I was. 
And uh, he discovers that I was a 17-year-old JV player that, uh, you know, Billy got got agitated by. So he went to Billy and just kind of, you know, jokingly and, and making fun of him, saying, Billy, you know, that, that young guy, that guy that you were up against, he's just a 17-year-old nose pick. Anyways, so I got on, I got, I guess I got on Ken's radar a little bit at that time, but he never, you know, he never talked to me that at all before I went home for the summer. So anyways, went home for the summer, got a job, uh, you know, what does a 17 year old kid do in the summer? I water skied, you know, uh, played tennis, had fun with my, you know, party with my friends, maybe played a few pickup games throughout, throughout the summer. But I really didn't have my my sights uh, uh, on the on the varsity team. So, anyways, uh, September rolls around, and I'm thinking, ah, am I going to play one more year of JV or not, or should I concentrate on school? And and Chris Hebb says to me, Phil, you should try out for the varsity team. It'll be good for you, you know, get you in shape for the JV team if you're going to play. So yeah. I I said, okay, well, might as well try out. So now I'm now I'm by now I'm you know. Six, I'm fully grown. I'm about six seven, and I go into the tryout with completely relaxed, no, with no expectation, and I just go out and I play and I play as hard as I can and compete and you know show pretty well in the tryouts. So th- I, this is how I I remember it. It could could be a little bit flawed, but I remember there were about twenty five guys there for the tryouts, and uh, after each after each session we go for a run. You know, we'd go for a 20, 20, 20, 30 minute run. So mm-hmm. first, set, first, first couple of, you know, tryout days, we try out and go for the run. And like, then he, there's five guys that are cut. So there's maybe 20 guys left. And next, next day we, we, you know, we train hard and, um, uh, compete hard in the scrimmage and we go for a run and he's down to maybe 15 and. I'm still around and I'm thinking, oh man, could you just cut me? I mean, I'm, I'm sucking, sucking. I mean, I'm still competing, but you know, I'm not as in shape as I could have been, but nonetheless, I'm holding my own, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So a week, you know, it seems like a week goes by and uh, I go, now I'm, now I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, man, I, I might make this team, you know, there's only 15 guys left and the other two guys mm-hmm. are, our point guards. So if he's looking for a, a bigger, a wingman or a post, that's me. If he's looking for a guard, that's the other guys, one of the two other guys. So anyways, the week goes by, I roll in on, on a, on a Friday and I start counting the players. Like I'm counting them on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, or I'm looking for these two guys and I roll in on, on the Friday and those two guys aren't there. And I like, I, I tap someone's shoulder. I say, Hey, is his buddy sick? I wouldn't know. And, uh, um, the, the moment that changed my life forever is shortly thereafter shields walks in the gym, comes up to me and says, and, and, you know, deadpans this and says, uh, you're on the team and then walks away. No, congratulations. Nothing. He just says you made it. And then walks away and gets on with practice. And I'm like, my jaw drops and I'm like, What? You know, there's only 12 guys and I made the team. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes. So, uh, anyways, so now I'm a member of, you know, by this time, I think they'd won two or three in a row. 
And I'm competing with the likes of Gerald Kazanowski, Eli Pasquale, Kelly Dukeshire, and um, uh, my my learning curve accelerated as as you, it was was as steep as could be. And uh, the first first month of practice, as you know, it's uh, it's it's time to get in shape. Um, you know, it's heavy lines, lots of running, getting your cardio up and your fitness up, and um, you know, I, I, and I mentioned earlier that I had a good engine. So my good engine at least saved me a little bit for not having trained that hard uh, to get <laughs> to that point. But I think everybody in the world was as, as shocked, if not more shocked than I was to have, to have got the nod to uh, on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that year, uh, again, when you're competing against, sorry, go ahead. Did Coach Shields ever like? Did he ever had the conversation that he's like? What was it? Did he just did he see something in you at that point that maybe you didn't see yourself, or was it because yeah. he knew even if you didn't develop that? Hey, this guy would probably be a great twelfth man for the next four years for us. You know, like what? Have you had that conversation? Yeah. I'm just intrigued by that. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he probably my sense, and I should well, I should talk to him about this. It's a great question, actually. <laughs> I think he. I think he saw. He saw potential in me. Um, I was a young guy. I was. I was. Uh, again, I was. I was uh, pretty competitive. I uh, had a good engine and um, not a. You know, not an extra great athlete, but uh, mm-hmm. was holding my own. And yeah, I just think he saw great potential. I was raw, like pretty raw. So he's thinking I can mold this guy into into. Uh, and do the best version of of a of a of a Vike of a Vikes player as possible, and well, yeah. and, and really that's what happened because I didn't have a whole lot of bad habits to break. Right. So I mean, yeah, you're also so being it, humble too. I mean, the people that I've chatted with, like they would describe you as you know, many many people that came across your path on the court really enjoyed being your teammate, but maybe didn't enjoy competing with you against you. Right. I think yeah. would that be fair to yeah. say. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Well, and, I just, and I think, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. And I just think, yeah, like you're just, um, reading and the research that I've done about you and, you know, the legacy that I know of you is just someone who is an ultimate competitor. And, and I think that goes back to, you know, those childhood days of just learning how to compete with no referees around and just on the schoolyard. Yes. And then, it, and then it becomes yes. a fuel inside of you. Right. And then it's like, yes. you know, it it takes time when sport ends to kind of get out of that. Like you, you know, I remember always, like my wife and I still won't do board games because there's still that element of me that I comes out. Where, but I've gotten better right. at it. But I think yeah. that competitive spirit, right, is is probably mm-hmm. the way most people would describe you. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, and I think that 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was just talking to. Uh, to, uh, to to someone um, uh, that I played, you know, senior men's against. He he he, mm-hmm. he played. He went down south to play, and he said, uh, "You you were probably the, the 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 one player that I absolutely dreaded playing against, but I loved playing with you." Mm-hmm. So I mean, I said I said that's a that's a great compliment. Thank you very much. So <laughs> yeah, I think absolutely, and that that sort of competitive spirit, I think was. Um, Although I think it, it was part of me, but uh, working and competing with those guys, seeing the likes of and being around the likes of Eli Pasquale 
and mm. uh, uh, and having him as a role model and his competitive spirit, um, and and just being part of a, a culture that demanded uh, high performance uh, and uh, just demanded high performance on a minute to minute, hour to hour, practice pr- to practice basis. You either. Mm you either start raising your competitive level or you, you don't survive. Yeah. And I think I owe, I owe that competitive spirit to, to my teammates uh, ahead of me and, and also to Ken Shields and his absolute demand for it. I mean, the guy was, I don't remember one practice where he didn't show up like it's on and I'm holding you guys accountable and I'm not letting anybody below this high bar. And if we do, if we do go below that, I'm reminding you, and we're getting back up above that bar. So mm-hmm. I, I responded extremely well in that culture. I guess it's my personality, and I mean, I'd run through a wall if I had to, literally, um, if it meant uh, if it meant stopping someone or if it meant winning. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd, he certainly uh, uh, um, coached me to access that sort of that primal that primal instinct, you know, Mm. to the point where at times it's good, but then it gets, you know, you know, you end up picking stupid fouls, picking up stupid fouls because you, you, uh, you, you've, you've, you've hit a switch where you're not really home anymore. You just, you're just uh, a freaking, uh, you know, crazed man sort of thing. Your story's so crazy. Like it's so cool. And I think just, there's so many times listening to you from grade nine to that, that year in JV where you're like, nah, I don't know, or should I just focus on school where, but you're continuing. There's something within you that's saying, okay, like I have some ability here. I still want to give it a shot and um, yeah. just n- n- never wanting to walk away. Right. I think there's, there's yeah. lots to take away for people that, when they hear that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, so if I could just go through my UVic uh, time a little bit, um, of course, uh, don't need to spend too much time on that. But so <laughs> I, I, I blow a year of eligibility in my JV year, which is fine. So then I make the team in my second year, end up in a very familiar place at the end of the bench. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm still, I'm just grateful to be there and I don't have any, you know, I'm happy to learn. And this is one of the things I noticed because I, I helped out with the, uh, with the uh, UVic team uh, about five or six years ago, I was just, uh, you know, an assistant to the assistant kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. those guys that were, that were, didn't have high expectations and were just, you know, happy to be there and worked hard and didn't have a sense of entitlement. Those were the guys that were successful, but it's those young mm-hmm. guys that come in that don't have the patience and want it now and feel like they should be on the court, um, have a false sense of who they are, and it's it's a detriment to them, mm-hmm. I, I find. Um, whereas, you know, looking back in my in my career, it's like, you know, I'm part of this. I'm grateful to be here. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And whatever happens, happens, you know. And yeah. I think that, that that to me is, is you know, a really, a really healthy place to, to, to operate from. Mm-hmm. So, anyways... Uh, so I was learning like crazy. I was uh, happy to be part of the team. We won another champ- another uh, national championship that year. Um, and then, and then the final year, uh, my story, my third—that would be my third year. Um, I'm like a, 
you know, I'm I'm a little I'm not as deep in the uh, in the ro- in the rotation as I was. Now I'm I'm sort of nudging up to sort of ninth or eighth man. And depending on the personnel, whatever, I, I get popped in the game once in a while, um, which I'm, I'm tickled pink about. And then mm-hmm. we end up going to the we end up going to the national finals uh, in Waterloo, and in the semifinals, our our starting forward Kelly Dukeshire sprains his ankle. So now there's a decision about who's going to replace him in the finals in the national finals against Waterloo, in Waterloo. And I'm thinking, mm. oh, I wonder who that's going to be. I'm thinking to myself, I wonder who that's going to be. You know, <laughs> not even thinking, well, geez, I hope that's me. But I'm literally thinking, well, I wonder who that's going to be. Anyways, I get the nod. <laughs> I, yeah. I So now I'm starting in the national finals um, against Waterloo, in Waterloo. And, you know, and um, I, I think I ended up playing... 30, I you'd have to watch the game, but I, it, it, I think I ended up playing 35 out of the 40 minutes. I had a unbelievable game, like not from a, not from a statistical point of view, but I just, you know, so they had, uh, they had the reason, they, the reason I got the nod is because they had this six, nine forward who was a real stud. And, uh, my only role was Phil go out there and disturb this guy and don't let him score. Do whatever you can to not let him score. So that's what I did. And I don't think the guy scored more than six points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of solidified uh, my spot on the team at, at, in that game. And then year four was- and five, I was, a, I was a starter and uh, ended, ended off my career pretty solidly. Now, when you got the call for that final yeah. game, did we see yeah. some progression? Like, did the trots come back, or had we moved on? <laughs> the trots come back. There were, the, it was, yeah, the trots did come back for sure. I was definitely nervous. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But, uh, but not as, but not as bad as that. My my time in grade eleven, for sure. Ner- nervous. But when I got on the court, they all that all went away, and I just—I mean, I, I just felt that I had this incredible group of guys around me, and I didn't—if I just mm-hmm. did my job, just you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know, Shields' classic line: "Just do your job, do your mm-hmm. job." That's all we want you to do: is do your job, and we'll be fine. So I didn't have any extra yeah. pressure to score. Um, yeah. I knew the offense, I knew the timing of it, I knew I can contribute that way. Uh, I knew, you know, I knew the defense, I knew what I needed to do. But I didn't have any extra pressure. Just do your job. Is is the guy's name was Steve Atkins, I think. Just get on Steve and disrupt him. And uh, sure, I mean he was six nine. I was about six seven. But I was, I was, you know, again, I had a high. What did I, what did I say? I had uh, what's good the, engine. What's the term? Good, good engine. Yes, I had a good engine. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, it was, I was all over him and made some great plays defensively. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I was uh, pretty impressed with myself at the end of the game and, you know, and happy to have contributed the way I did to, to win that, to win that championship. It's amazing. I think the key word that you use and, and it's something that translates from whether it's sport into our relationships to business is that this trust, right? And like when you have yeah. a group of people that are willing to trust each other and Sometimes in sport, you know, there's a little ego involved. It's like, well, I'm only getting these minutes. and But if you still trust that the coach is making the right choices, that the team is still going to succeed, 
And you guys are in a heart of a dynasty where like the, like when you look at just your resume and I think of the guys are kind of along that era where every year you're literally, you know, you're, you're the Carlton of now, right? Like you're talking mm-hmm. about the national championship, how hard that is. And if you don't have a strong culture in your locker room, that can just break so quickly. Right. And, um, you know, I, I can only imagine too, I'm sure, you know, some of the guys knowing that you're getting that call, they, they probably did some little things just to make you feel even more comfortable that day as well. And, and then mm-hmm. you just take that moment and it, and then you flourish, right? Like you become an all Canadian. Right. Yeah. You're the CIS yeah. friggin' final, final eight MVP, like moments yeah. that, I mean, five, five, five years is a long period of time, but it's not that long that you were showing up every day for the JV squad, right? Like, it's pretty crazy. No. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. And I mean, you, um, what you're saying around trust and uh, culture uh, and all that, I, I experienced the, well, antithesis might be strong, but I, and, you know, <laughs> you fast, you fast forward to my last, uh, my last, uh, tournament of my competitive career, um, which was the pre-Olympics in Portland, um, yeah. where we where we end up playing the dream team, and in the in the in the final qualifying tournament against uh, sorry final qualifying game to to uh, secure the fourth place spot against Venezuela. Well, a lack of culture and trust was our demise. Mm was our demise. I, I can, I, I can act, act, you know, I mean, I, I've given it, given it a lot of thought, but I think that that the, 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 the lack of time and time is a bit of an, is a bit of a precious thing in order to build trust and mm-hmm. develop a culture. And at a national team level, you don't really have a lot of time when you're with a group of guys, right? You may spend two or three weeks together and then you're off to, to a tournament. So mm-hmm. I think, if I were to coach uh, a national team, I would spend, obviously you'd spend a lot of time on the X's and O's, but I would pick, I would pick guys that fit a culture rather than pick guys that are, that are the best players. Mm-hmm. It's um, funny. We've touched. I'm um, interesting that you say that we've, you know, we've interviewed quite a few guys from the 2000 year, including Jay Triano himself. Right. And just yeah, that, yeah. you know, then, and uh, you know, even some of the guys on that team have mentioned that they believe, you know, that Jay didn't necessarily pick the 12 best athletes or players, but they, but the 12 guys that he knew would work cohesively, that would develop that trust in a short amount of time that would be accepting of a guy like Steve coming and going because he has an NBA career and, and, you know, gets, you know, maybe a little more different treatment than others. And and just that, yeah, like even those guys at the bottom of the bench knew, hey, I knew they were the guys better than me, but I was willing to be that 12th guy, try to come to practice yeah. and kick everyone's ass and still be a glue guy, yeah. right? And it's so yeah. important. Yeah. You know, I had uh, I had the opportunity to play for Jack Donahue for one summer on the national team. Wow. And that's, that's you know, that was Jack in a, in a, in a mm. nutshell, right? So Jay, Jay follows Jack's lead you know, in a, in a big way. I mean, he was, a, he's mm-hmm. a disciple of Donahue. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, he got it right in that regard where, whereas when Ken was coaching the national team, um, not to take anything away from, from his approach, um, he was, wasn't as, um, focused on 
that part of it, but rather mm-hmm. getting the right, you know, getting as talented a group of players to play the best kind of basketball. And um, I would, you know, I think there's a couple of guys he would have, could have picked instead of some of the guys he did. And that would have made a, could have made a, a huge difference on the culture and uh, developing a greater level of trust amongst the guys. I think it's interesting too, because you've probably had a unique perspective through your own personal journey. Like things didn't always come easy to you. You didn't just naturally, um, you know, you didn't just sprout to 610 and basketball just came to you and it's just started working mm-hmm. like for many people, right? It, there was some battles with it. There were some other things, some other interests and, you started to see probably your career unfold from a different perspective than most, right? Um, which is, oh, yeah. which is from the, which is from the bottom of the bench to, to working your way up to, you know, all-stars and MVPs and things like that. So, you know, it's probably, you're probably one of the guys on the floor that thought differently just because of your experience. You know, I think just assuming when you get to a national team level, so many of those guys have just been so successful for so long um, mm. that maybe they overlook those things, right? And it's like, oh, well, we're talented. We can put this together where maybe you're sitting there in the locker room after going, ah, you know what? Like, there's some things that we can work on, you know? So yeah, that's, I think it's for sure. what's so unique mm-hmm. about your story and it's great. You're also doing another thing everybody said you would do is just downplay a lot of your career and you know, kind of brush over some highlights. But you yeah. know, you played in the World Championships. You played in the World of University Games. You, you know, I, I remember watching that World Qualifier as a kid, um, and I remember you know there's reading the stories about JD Jackson and Jordan and stuff like that. But how was that national team experience? And you know, I mean, of all the things that you've done, accomplished, like looking back and seeing that you had the opportunity to suit up against quite possibly the greatest basketball team ever assembled. Like that's, that's amazing. And you guys only lost by like 40, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we were, we weren't down that much at half. We were pretty close at half, I think, but yeah, I remember I that, that you, you, you meant, you meant, you mentioned JD, JD poked the bear at some point and that's then the boys yeah. went, Oh yeah, buddy. Okay, now we're gonna turn up the heat, and now he's like, "Okay, JD, you idiot! You should have kept him. Let the bear, let the bear, uh, let the sleep. bear be be calm. Let the bear sleep. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, he po- he ended up poking the bear, and that was that. But um, yeah, that experience with the dream team was uh, was was uh, special in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. There was one exp- one experience that um, may um uh and i'll tell you the story around it may um point to what i was talking about around there not being a lack of trust and a little bit more we didn't mention this but a little bit more self-centeredness and uh um, rather than a commitment to the greater cause which was uh, going to the olympics um Mm. so uh, I'll tell you a story, and uh, names will will remain un 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 unsaid. Um, but um, so um, so prior to these prior to these uh, these international games, is what they and you probably know this, but I'll just explain it for your listeners. Is is that mm-hmm. uh, individuals each each player is 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 called out by number on the floor, and you all run out and you line up. You line up facing the center center court or center line. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so one at a time you get called out. So number fifteen, fourteen, you know, and so on. So I was number nine. I got called out. 
uh, and then the rest of my players. So we're all lined up, and I'm and so and Canada was uh, was uh, introduced first. So I'm wondering to myself because I I hadn't really followed the you know I don't pay attention to numbers, and I was wondering who is number nine for the dream team? Who would that be? Because after the anthems are are uh, are played, then you run into the middle and you exchange gifts right with your number mm-hmm. with your number uh, partner from the other team yeah. right so they they you know 15 14 13 is is introduced and then number 9 michael jordan so i'm like <laughs> oh holy i'm going to be able to exchange gifts with michael jordan how cool is this right and um you know the antons have played i'm just like this is going to be a story for the ages so um anyways they had this you know beautiful t-shirt and a nice beautiful usa ball cap and all we had was this you know cheap little pen with basketball canada written on it anyhow i didn't i didn't really care but it's still a tad embarrassing so so the anthems are played and you know you kind of jog up to the to the to the and you meet at the at the mid court and you make your exchanges well, this is a tradition that is pretty pretty obvious and uh, has been done many times before that you go to your number. Nine goes to nine and 10 goes to 10, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Anyways, as I'm running up, my teammate cuts me off and he goes shakes hands with Jordan. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so so I shake. I think I ended up shaking hands with Clyde Drexler and exchanging gifts with him. So there's one guy. I think it was Magic Johnson was 15. He ended up getting bumped out or didn't get a, you know. So I I didn't I didn't see it. But I'm thinking, what the? F- just this happened here. I'm not saying anything because like I'm a team guy. I'm not gonna cause a cause a a scene in this. So I just kind of let it happen and and I haven't said anything. You know. You know, I've I've shared this story, but I never sh- I don't share who who the person is, uh, nor mm-hmm. am I interested in doing that. But that just gives you a bit of a bit of a, an insight to really are you are you kidding me that mm-hmm. that you pull that move at that time. So mm-hmm. maybe it was an honest mistake, and let's ch- chalk it up to you know there was so much excitement in the air that you kind of you know this person. You just got lost in the moment and and that's kind of what happened so that's 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 how what i'm chalking it up to and uh i'm not uh i'm not uh you know i don't need to see a therapist about it but anyways <laughs> um so that just that might be a sort of an uh, um uh a, a sign of where we weren't as as aligned and as 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 cohesive as we needed to have been in order to compete compete at that level and win that final game against mm-hmm. Venezuela. Mm. Yeah. Interesting how they can come back. Also interesting yeah. too, that like um, if this former basketball player had have been paying attention, basically like the 1992 dream team, the whole thing turned into a meet and greet after every game anyways. So, you know, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the, the meet and greet happened at the beginning of the game, actually. Did it? Yeah, we we met and I mean the uh, they they allowed us to take a picture with them, so we had a picture taken with them. I have it hanging on my wall here, um, but yeah, we didn't really have a chance to meet and greet them after. 
At least, at least gotcha. I wasn't invited to that to that <laughs> to that meeting. <laughs> that's so. That's because they probably uh, they probably experienced your engine a little bit. They're like, "Who is this guy? We're up thirty five. Leave us alone." Yeah, leave us alone. Yeah, they weren't <laughs> quite happy with me. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That's been a yeah, many an opponent. Um, yeah, I mean, we fast we fast forward over over some parts of my career, but you uh, you highlighted yeah. them uh, yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I appreciate that. So I, I, the, I wonder if I just comment on one thing. I mean, I, I told you that I lived in Germany between seven Absolutely. and 12. And when we moved to, to Courtney in, uh, it would have been at, yeah, there was the year of the, of the 76 Olympics. And uh, I can remember watching the opening ceremonies of the Olympics and uh, watching these athletes come into the, to, the, uh, to the stadium and listening to the reporters talk about the different athletes. And I thought to myself, right then and there, I thought to myself, holy cow, how awesome would that be to step into the Olympic Stadium and march around this, you know, and represent your country that way. And when I was training for the for the Olympics, um, and I made the you know I made the national team in 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 '89 with shields. That was the vision I had in my head that kept me training and working hard. Was war, is having an opportunity to walk into the Olympic Stadium uh, with all these other athletes. So it, it, I, I think there's a real power in having a clearly defined goal or vision for yourself that you can live into on a daily basis. I think that's a good segue too to just talk a little bit about, you know, what you're doing with the leadership stuff. I mean, obviously the you've taken all the great coaches and, you know, systems that you've been a part of and and whatever good and bad, I think we can learn from maybe coaches that we don't see eye to eye with necessarily so much too, but um talk a little bit about that. Um and that was one of the things that I really enjoyed too cuz it's a huge passion for me. Um, I mean, I enjoy coaching, but also I've just really enjoyed um, growing my own personal leadership capacity too. And it mm. seems like it's, you know, it's a business for you, but it's also a passion, I think too, just by, you know, the, the key words that you're using. So talk a little bit about that. I work primarily uh, one-on-one with uh, business leaders, usually small to medium-sized uh, business owners or or leaders within different organizations, um, and a, a big part of the 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 work uh, or er, or area of focus. I mean, not not the only part, but a big part is. Um, and this may sound it might, may sound that odd coming from me or or not, but um, I'm you know I really work uh, with inside the sort of the principle that. Everything happens inside relationships, and mm-hmm. your relation, your it's and it starts with your relationship with self, and then it goes outwards to the relationship with others. So, a big mm-hmm. part of the work that I do is um, supporting leaders to um, to discover their strengths and their potential, and also to uh, discover where their blind spots. And to remove some of those barriers to their own success, because a lot of a lot of our biggest challenge often 
are the, are, are the barriers that we put in front of ourselves. So we are our worst, worst enemies. And yeah. figuring out a way to remove those barriers and uh, allows us to move forward a whole lot more uh, powerfully and potently. Yeah. So that's that's it. a that's that's a big part of the work, and the, another uh, uh, you know distinction or principle for me is uh, personally and in working with leaders is, is who I am is my word, and you can take me at mm. my word, and mm. um, and getting clear on what your word is in terms of you know who you're committed to being as a leader and what you're committed to accomplishing. Um, mm-hmm. And so that those those are t- two main areas that that I spend a, a heck of a lot of time with folks on, and defining awesome. and getting clear, and then you know as a coach is holding them accountable to their the, the, you know who they who they say they're committed to being and what they're what they say they're committed to accomplishing. Mm-hmm. I love to hear it. Um, I think I shared with you. I have my my master's in leadership and administration, but was able to sit down with my principal a few years back. So I've started a leadership course that I teach here for grade 12s. And um, the one one thing I say to them is like, if you're going to take one thing away is that it leadership is about relationships. So that Mm. gives me the, gives me all the warm and fuzzies when I hear you talking. Cause um, I believe the same. It's like, you know, if you can't ask someone to follow you if you don't know anything about them. And it's the same for the kids that walk through our classrooms every day. If we don't right. have an extended conversation with them or the kids that we coach, we don't know what they're bringing from, yeah. you know, their ethnic background to their financial family background. I don't need to know all those details, but just a little bit about them that helps me understand them so we can work together. And, you know, I think that's yeah. a, that's a very cool kind of just spin off to, and this is what, Kind of the core essence of what a hoops journey is to Corbin and I is like the we all can't make the NBA and or make a ton of money off basketball, but what we can is learn a whole bunch of things and how you spun that off into helping others is super cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, it, I, it is for me. I just I just get a a real sense of of accomplishment and uh, it makes and, and knowing that I'm somehow making a difference for others and, and being a contribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, at my age, it's, you kind of, not that I'm financially independent, but you kind of go, okay, um, you know, I'm 56 years old. Um, now what? And mm-hmm. now that I have an opportunity to work with folks and, and give back. Um, and, and it, it's funny that not funny, actually what I've, what I've discovered uh, and it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't be a surprise to me. But nonetheless, because of my, I guess you you identified as humility, is you know I mm-hmm. think of myself as a, just a guy who played some basketball, who uh, you know was was uh, provided some some athletic gifts and and talents, and that I capitalized on. But others, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of people that are attracted to me from you know as from a from a business perspective because of my athletic accomplishments and mm. you know it it to them it's a indication that okay well this guy is not full of he's he's demonstrated uh excellence he knows what it takes to reach the pinnacle of his of his of his uh well sport in this case and uh i there's a, there's a lot of credibility that actually comes with that 
Um, so I've learned a little bit more to capitalize on that in my when I'm you know when I'm talking to folks and trying to enroll them in in, in the, this work with me. Great. So it's it's that. and it's so it's it's for me it's important to remember is like okay yeah rem don't 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 underestimate or don't um, yeah don't underestimate what what it took for you to accomplish what you did. And it is it is a, a special um, accomplishment, not because it did require uh, a huge level of commitment and sacrifice and tenacity and grit and all that and all those uh, important qualities that uh, you know help us help us through life, mm -hmm. which is a probably a good segue to. Um, yeah, a question might be coming, so I'll beat you to the punch on this. But uh, you're talking <laughs> about basketball and and its impact on our lives is like you know as I'm, you know, living with with MS and I talk to you about you know what's what's what what I'm struggling with uh, lately. Um, if I didn't have this level of of uh, understanding or or training, if you like, through mm -hmm. basketball. I don't know how it, how I would be doing right now from a mental health perspective. Right. I don't know how yeah. I I don't know how how I would um, get through it. And I can I can give a lot of credit to all the the principles and 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 characteristics that I developed or others helped me develop, I should say, in the in the field of basketball. It's awesome. So, so well put. And um, yeah, I mean, when you think about people's mental health and how COVID has happened and then tie into what you're going through, you know, I think that's, that's great um, stuff and really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. Um, and I think there is something to be said for, and I know you, you, you sound like an old school guy, kind of like me. I'm, I'm kind of, I am an old school guy. I played for, you know, the Richie Chambers and got barked at oh, okay. and, and had my fair, yeah. you know, and so I kind of know what that feels like. But also just, I think sometimes I I love the families and the, and the kids that have the opportunity to coach, but I'm not just hard on them because I want them to succeed in basketball. I want them to know kind of this, like what adversity feels like and that how you can bounce back. And I don't leave them to figure it out because they're 15, but working through that adversity and then having them maybe use it as, as they get older, I think is a huge thing for our, our high school kids and for our high school coaches, right? Like I don't want to be best friends with the kids I coach. I want them to experience some tough times because it's going to make them better people in the end. And um, you reflecting on that is huge. And I, I hope some people hear that and can take something from that because it's, mm. uh, it's important stuff. Well, I think the work that you're doing, I mean, it, and you know this better than I do is the, the level of anxiety and depression that is that is uh, going on in uh, you know in schools, high schools, middle schools, and now even at the lower levels, uh, mm -hmm. I think is a function of um, kids not. I think we talked about this earlier. Kids not experiencing adversity growing up, and then you kind of get into yeah. the big world. Well, there's nothing but adversity, so <laughs> you better build your resilience muscle uh, while you're growing up and mm -hmm. um you know deal with some minor challenges so that when the bigger challenges show up you're ready for it or you know as ready as you can be yeah. um so i mean that's a huge topic i could go on forever i'm so passionate about that <laughs> and 
I was just uh, <laughs> sitting down with my son here uh, talking about it last night and how important, you know, that being uh, teaching responsibility and accountability um, is huge for kids. But we don't hold yeah. them accountable enough. And we don't yeah. give them responsibil- yeah. enough responsibility. And then we wonder, well, he's not responsible. Yeah, okay, well, because you haven't given him responsibility. Anyways, uh, this is not that kind of call here. So uh, <laughs> you could edit all this out if you want. <laughs> no, I love it, anyway. man. I like, yeah. literally talking to this about, you know, I have a four-year-old and was talking about this with my leadership class, just about like, yeah. I was asking, because they're seniors, about curfew, right? And it's like, yeah. you know, do you think that you would have a better relationship with your parents if maybe instead of midnight one night, they said, how about 1 a.m.? and showed a little bit of trust and gave you something that, you know, you yeah. could be accountable for. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's just like the little things. Yeah. And we're not perfect as parents. We make mistakes and we just do our best. But I agree, like, let them learn how to fail or succeed and then follow up after, right? Give them something yes. that they can actually learn and grow from. Yeah. yeah. I've got this yeah. great parenting article I just read, for, read from the Atlantic. I'll send it to you. I think you'll you'll enjoy the read because it's right up your alley. And if you're a young father, uh, it, would, awesome. it will it will um, uh, affirm your your beliefs, in my view. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. back to basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't don't. I mean, I think we 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 you 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 touched on and you highlighted a, a bunch of my accomplishments, which is which is uh, appreciate that. Um, I don't know what what more to say. I mean, I could I could go on forever in terms of various uh, experiences <laughs> I've had. Um, I do. You didn't mention my pro career, and the only reason I want to bring mm-hmm. that up is uh, absolutely. Um, um, you know, it, it, you know, I had you mentioned I had a whole bunch of success later on in at UVic, and. Um, I didn't, even, you know, even later on in my fifth year, I wasn't even thinking pro basketball. And and this is mm-hmm. the power of a coach, you know, is when Ken Shields pulled me aside, probably in you know the three quarter, three quarter, three quarter way through of my season. He said, uh, "Do you? Uh, I think you could play on the national team." And uh, I thought because I, I haven't even thought about that as a as a you know here I am again right it's like I'm not even thinking forward I'm just, I was just in the moment it's like I gotta we got a tournament to play and I don't care about any of that I just want to get this done but he put that put that uh, that idea in my head it was like holy shit, really um, so it's like okay this is a possibility for me and then I'm then then I went back to Oh, you mean I could walk into Olympic Stadium, you think? And I went back to being mm. that that kid at uh, 12 years old and I thought, okay, now now you got now I was now, now I was I was hooked. And uh, mm. I, I had I was I saw that as a possibility and I thought, okay, here we go. And so, you know, mm. just seeing a possibility in someone and he he wouldn't he would he would he would not blow smoke up my ass and i knew if he thought that or he said that he thought it uh, and um mm. yeah I, it it really it really uh inspired me to to uh pursue that and then as as the end of that season went on uh an agent a- approached me an agent of, of a player that 
played the year before approached me about the possibility of playing in Europe. And I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, so I was at, uh, he was looking for, he was looking for uh, a team for me in, in, in Europe. And at the same time, I was looking for, um, I went through as, you know, I told you earlier as a teacher and I was looking for a teaching job and thinking, well, I don't get, if I don't get that, uh, a place in Europe, I want to, you know, I need some work. And at that time, coming out of high school, like coming out of university and becoming a teacher was, there was nothing. There was literally, and literally might be strong, but there were very, very few jobs available mm -hmm. and certainly not in Victoria. So anyways, I ended up, getting an offer at a job at Shawnigan Lake private school. And that same week I got an offer to go play over in Germany. And, um, so I'm talking to my parents about this and I said, okay, well I could, I could throw this incredible, incredible opportunity to teach at this school or I can pursue my dreams. It didn't take me very long to make that decision, by the way. You know, I you know, mulled it over with my parents, and my parents were really sort of, you know, encouraging me to go to, to, to uh, take the job, the teaching job. And I thought, no, forget it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going for it. Anyway, so I ended up getting placed in, a, in Germany, a um, city about the size of Victoria, in a Division II team. So I was the only, Amer uh, only foreigner on the team. I was the only import. Mm -hmm. And uh, about three months into my stay there, I met I met this I met I met this girl, and um, I mean, and I and then I had a girlfriend in Canada, and I wasn't really intending to meet a girl over there because I thought, okay, well, I've got this girl in Canada, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't a, a real player, as they say. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I met 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 this girl. Um, still had a motor though you know i still yeah still yes exactly i still had a motor this motor was still going uh <laughs> and um yeah it's just uh, i fell in love and um 32 years later i'm still married i'm married to her so you know it going over to to germany you know opened up this you know this possibility for me and so i met my wife and uh, now I have my son. It's yeah. So that that would not have. Uh, I mean, I would have met a girl here. I, I would assume, but not not this one. <laughs> Anyways, so it was you know it's pretty special. <laughs> a pretty special uh, on top of the basketball. And the basketball was was it was a it was a culture shock. Both you know living there and also from a basketball perspective because it was so much different and. Now the pressure was on me. It's not like I was playing in Waterloo. Where all, I, all I had to do was do my job. I had to do that job, and I had to be the man. And um, yeah, so playing professionally was 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 interesting in that regard. So you really had to manage manage both your play and your and your psyche because if you didn't play well, you'd get lambasted in the paper, and you'd have to keep yourself confident moving forward. Right, mm -hmm. so. Anyway, so yeah, I, I managed yeah, to stick there for four four years and in, in the same in this with the same club. And uh after four years, my 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 girlfriend at the time had just finished school and we decided, well, what are we gonna do? And thought, so, okay, let's go back. Let's let's she she fell in love with Canada when I got, when I came to visit here once with her. So we decided to move 
to Canada and get married. And um, yeah, so that was in that was in '89, and in '89 is when Ken Shields took over the um, the national team job. I mentioned I played for Donahue. I, I played for him in '85. Mm-hmm. But I came under the, I was under the Ken Shields uh, regime, and Ken Shields and Jack Donahue mm-hmm. are not the same people. And I was operating <laughs> the way I did with Ken Shields, and Jack Donahue did not appreciate it. Um, so on and off the court, and um, I didn't stick with Jack. So I played in '85, and then he cut me in '86. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, I was, you know. I, I don't blame him. There's a lot of, I could have done things differently, which would put me in better stead. But anyway, so I got caught in 86, kept playing in Europe. And then in 89, I actually, um, I wrote a, a letter to Ken when he, when he got the job and I said, Ken, listen, I'm playing in Europe. Would you grant me a tryout? Uh, and he, and he and I got this letter back from him. He said, yeah, I'll grant you a tryout, but you better be the fittest guy. Uh, you better be the fittest guy uh, in training camp if you want a chance to to play. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if I want to walk in Olympic Stadium, I better get my I better get my engine up to uh, to prime level. So I trained, and mm-hmm. I I mean I, I got you know all the help I could to get in the in best shape I could, and uh, I wasn't a, the fittest. Eli, Eli beat me on the fitness test, but I think I, I, I was the second guy. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so the engine was running at uh, high at the high octane, and lo and behold, in '89, I cracked the squad, and I was at home. Not on, I didn't have a team. I was I was teaching, mm-hmm. and so I, my off season, I had to train by myself. I trained hours and hours by myself every off you know throughout the off season. And then training training camp came, and you know um, was wasn't guaranteed a spot every year, and somehow ended up cracking the lineup every summer until '92, which was the uh, Olympic qualifier. Anyhow, enough of that. I think I'm going to bore your listeners at this time. We've been going for two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good. I love it. They're they're hoop junkies on this show. Yes, yes. Anyhow. No, it was good. I was because um, I was listening to a podcast today, um, and it was Alonzo Morning, and he was talking about the impact of John Thompson on him, and that you know he was a prime, you know he was number one recruit, and all these programs came into his house, and he had a foster mom, and his you know oh we're gonna do this, he's gonna start, and then John Thompson was like the only one who wouldn't blow smoke, right? Like he yeah. basically said. Uh, I'll make sure he graduates. I'll make sure he's responsible and accountable for himself. Yeah. And I'm going to push him every single day. I will not promise yeah. him a starting spot. I will not yeah. promise, you know, and I, and I, so that just sure. hit me because I literally was listening to it this morning and was like, it sounds very similar in terms of just, you know, you really appreciated the fact that no one coddled you or pampered you, you, you know, or no. blow smoke when it didn't need to just to make you feel better. Right. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, that's great stuff, and I'm um, really thankful you're you're able to join us. But do you have you know five more minutes to answer some questions? You bet, uh, you bet. What are your thoughts about ketchup on macaroni? 
Um, not thrilled about that. Wouldn't do yeah. it. <laughs> no thanks. Corbin Williams, some applause here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well done. Thank you for that. Um, if you're if you're rolling around, uh, you know your wife sends you to the grocery store to grab some milk or whatever. What yeah. what kind of music are you listening to? What's playing on the uh, Spotify or or do you still have a CD player in the car? What do you got? No, I got uh, I got a little Spotify. I'm I'm, uh, back, I'm in the 21st century. What's playing? Well, I got um, I listen to a variety. I mean, I love music. Listen to a variety of music, but maybe you know some old school stuff, some Van Morrison or Bruce Springsteen or you know Lumineers, uh, some jazz, maybe some Albert King. Those might be some of the things rolling around in my in my car, music wise. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. I can't wait for uh, one thing with COVID I really miss is just being able to go to live music. I love going to shows and, and seeing yes. performers perform. Yeah. Um, who's been the most important person in your life or people? No one can really na- ever narrow it down to one. You've obviously touched on a few people. But... Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly Ken, Ken, Ken Shields has been a really important person in my life. Um, also is a, um, a guy that I, and it's, it's a long story, so I'm not going to get into it, but, uh, anyways, a mentor of mine who, uh, I reached out to, I recognized he was, a um, I don't know, he just had a special way about him and I asked him if he would be my mentor and, uh, he agreed and for, you know, two or three years, we would meet every Saturday morning for a couple hours and, uh, you know, so I, I I reached out to him to be my a business you know a business you know help me with my you know with business development, and uh, he sat mm-hmm. down to meet with me the first the first day. And he says, "Buddy, we're, I'm not going to help you the business to start. I'm going to I'm going to you buckle up because I'm going to work about we're working on you first. So yeah, I went through through the uh, walked through some fire with him, and he's changed he changed my life and my whole whole view and approach to life so um scott andrews is his name and uh, yeah he had a major impact on me so those would be those would be the two the two big guys over the holidays you're sitting down with your son just having a chat if you could pull one bag of chips out of the cupboard what would they be the all-time uh, bag would, of chips for you uh it would be a bag of doritos any certain flavor yeah. or it doesn't matter they all go down the same pipe yeah, they all go down. Yeah, I I I I love a little variety on the Doritos on Doritos scale. Picked up some nacho cheese yesterday. They're a classic for sure. The red bag, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yes. Good. Love those. <laughs> love those. Who's the greatest player? Who's who are some of the greatest players that you had the chance to? Um, you know, you mentioned a few at UVic, obviously. Um, you know, rest in peace to Eli. And but just um, some of the greatest players that you had the chance to either play with or play against along your career that maybe haven't been mentioned yeah or maybe so, they have been. Yeah. yeah so the couple a couple other players uh, um would play with i ended up had a chance to play with rick, rick fox he uh, joined mm-hmm. the national team uh, on our journey to the world championships um he was something special and uh played play against would be um well the dream team dream team you know lineup is pretty is a pretty uh solid uh, opponents um i ended up uh i was on the floor and i spent a lot of time trying trying to guard clyde drexler 
I got a great shot at me and Clive, and I'm in a, I'm in, I'm in a defensive stance, and he's about to rip through because my defensive stance is so wrong, but I'm just right in there. <laughs> and some photographer, some photographer got it and uh, uh, or took it, and I saw it in the window at a, in, in Portland somewhere, and we and we bought it. But yeah, but anyways, those those you know the, the Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler, Larry Bird, those guys. Um, it's a pretty good lineup of players to have played against. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> not bad, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> you, should, you can pinch me now. I can pinch myself. Like really? Oh man. Yeah. Anyways, no doubt. So, do you? Who do you think's the greatest player of all time, in your opinion? The goat. I think the hands down, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Well, I'm not a big fan of LeBron. I know he's very good, but there's just something there's something missing there for me. Fair enough. <laughs> Appreciate that. And last question before we let you go. If you could do it all again, you would. What? If I could do it all again, uh, um, I would, um, with the 92 team, I would have altered my approach to that team and by by that i mean i didn't i didn't have an elevated status on the team so i was a role player you know maybe a nine or ten on the on the on the scale maybe 12 in some games and some games i would start so i i you know you talked about leadership that team i thought lacked leadership and if i could do it over again i would uh have led far more um uh, far more or i would have i would have taken on a leadership role and um do what i can to get the guys to come together and uh operate more cohesively I'm not sure how i would have done that but um that's what that's what i would, <laughs> you would have, have tried it. you would have tried at least yeah and i think i could i could have i i, I mean I, I i captained a whole bunch of teams before that so I, I just I just made myself small because I think ah well I'm not I'm not a starter so who am I you know I'm talking I'm uh, you know there's NBA guys on this team who am I to talk to these guys but I could have rallied right them. I know I could have and I think that could have made a difference so that's yeah. one thing I would have done differently with that team I mean uh, in life I could we could go on for five days here but from a basketball perspective <laughs> that's what I would have done differently good stuff. I can hear about those life ones when I uh, when I come over to the island to visit yes. my brother for the weekend. We can exactly. Sneak out and can. Exactly. Crowl, Kinnear, and Hides and some of the boys, and we can go have a good chat. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd welcome that for <laughs> awesome. sure. Awesome. All right. Well, well we, I've talked you know to what? We really off. are appreciative. Of your... Go ahead. I've talked your ear off, and I uh, appreciate your your patience and uh, um, your time. No, I. Uh, I'm a hoop junkie. I love it. Uh, my dad was an Esquimalt guy. So, you know, and then made my way over to the mainland. I loved high school basketball in our province and I, and I continue to love the sport. So I think selfishly, this has been a fun adventure for me because I get to meet new people, hear their stories and, and, um, and learn more about life and basketball. So don't worry mm -hmm. about talking my ear off. I could, I could do it all day. It's just want to make sure that, uh, I'm, I maintain my marriage because I probably got yes. my four year old running all over the house right now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly it's uh 
You got to be careful of that. You got to be careful of that. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, I'm glad you you also have the editing capacity, so you can you can shorten this thing down. Exactly. No, no worries at all. Any any last comments? As you say that you've talked too much, but any anyone else you feel like you've left out or anything before uh, we get you on your way? Um. Uh. No. I. I you know. I, I'm sure I've left out a bunch of people, but uh, they won't take it personally. Uh, they know. They know me, and they know. <laughs> If uh, I appreciate them, I hopefully I've, I've let them know over time. So, but no, uh, it's uh, it's a gr- great great place to end. And um, yeah, uh, if you can drop me a note and let me know when it's going to be aired or ready to go, uh, I may bring myself to listen to myself <laughs> or not. <laughs> I love it. What a great way. To- and we wish you nothing but continued success in, in life yeah. and in general with your health. Um, yeah, I would really, okay. truly hope you have a great time with your son and, and your wife and just shut it down for a few days and enjoy what the holidays are really about. Um, and I know for sure at some point when I make it over to the island, um, we'll connect and uh, can talk more about life and basketball. I would really appreciate that. And um, you bet. thanks so much for being with us. Shout out to our sponsors, Good Lad and Parkside. And we'll see everyone on the next episode.